You are listening to the FDNY Pro Podcast, featuring members of the New York City Fire Department. We want to share stories from the field, best practices, lessons learned, and help save lives. Welcome to this edition of the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Battalion Chief Brian Mulry. In this episode, I'm joined by three members of Ladder Company 108 in the Williamsburg section of Brooklyn, who carried out multiple rescues at a fire last year on May 18, 2022, and posed several challenges. But the members proceeded into the fire apartment and safely removed the known life hazard with bravery, good judgment, and professionalism. For the heroic actions, the three individuals were recognized with individual medals at our department's medal day ceremony, the most of any one company at this year's event. Today in studio, we have with us Lieutenant Chris Walter and firefighters Roger Buck and Joseph Andres. Welcome, guys. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. First off, you first time guests on the podcast. Maybe we'll start off with a bio, where you worked, when you came on, and we'll start with you, Lieutenant. Sure. I came on February 2nd, 03. I was assigned to 26 Engine. I think I worked there till uh, 2005. I transferred to Engine 280 in Brooklyn. I did uh, another two or three years there, and then I transferred across the floor to Ladder 132. I was promoted in 2017, and then I was assigned to Battalion 31, and then I got the spot in Ladder 108 in 2021. All right, Raj, on to you. I like it. 2496. 2496. Same probie class. Same probie class. <laughs> yes. At a probie school, I was assigned to Ladder Company 121 in Far Rockaway. As you know, we were part of the rotation program, so then I did uh, a year in 240. I did a year in 216, and then at the end of the rotation, went back to 121. Put my paper in, and six, seven months later, back in 108 truck. I got on in January 2014. I was assigned to the truck right at Proby School. Pretty simple. Yeah. Well, so I rotated through 26 engine. You did? Yeah, I did a year at the back Bat cave. cave. Yeah, everybody we'll knows the back cave, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. I want to hear about the job. Sounded really impressive. Just start from the beginning. And uh, Lieutenant, in quarters when the run came in, first due for fire, correct? Yep, first due for an alarm fire. We knew Ladder 146 was out for the day for medicals, so I guess it was kind of a long way for us to go. Yeah, first yeah, it's due. at the end of our second yeah. due area. We yeah. got the run, and then off we went. What did it say on the ticket? We've said... Uh, Fire. Gave us the address. Fire, second floor, I believe. I don't, I'm not sure if they had an apartment, to be honest. But then on the way, Brooklyn prompted us and said, reports of people trapped. So the first two trucks was out of service, what you're saying? Yes, they were medicals that day or education okay. day, one of the... All right, so then was there an engine on scene when you got 1084? When we were 84, I believe 206. Yeah, 206 was definitely there first. They were already starting to backstretch to the hydrant, and the officer was there, and okay. uh, he was already in the building by the time we got there. What kind of building are we looking at? High-rise fireproof, eight stories. Anything out of the ordinary? Or? No standpipe. No standpipe. Yep, no hydrant in the complex. I believe we described it as there was a courtyard there where we were able to pull in and get as close to the building as we could, both the first two engine and, and, and us. They actually, I think they made... Did so a good right, job you, making room for us. Any issues in that complex? Like a lot of times we have, you know, iron gates and stuff uh, impeding our progress. Correct. You have iron gates all around. You have parking inside. That particular parking lot also has a vault underneath. So even if 146 had been first due, they can't even set up because of the weight of their rig. Was that in the SIDS? That is in the SIDS, yeah. The SIDS, it's critical information dispatch system. They give you 160 characters, each building, you know, when you go and when you have a known address, it'll prompt you with the basics of the building, height, dimensions, the class, type building you're going to, any special hazards or in, in the absence of any special hazards, they'll just give some ordinary thing, you know, a well hole stretch or 
just some helpful things to uh, tip the units off. And it's really valuable. We get a lot of, a lot of good information out of it. An SOP for those buildings because, as the lieutenant said, there is no hydrant system inside and no standpipes. And uh, some of them can become very, very long stretches. Yeah, it sounds like it. So 206 did an excellent job. They pulled in, second two engine, hits a hydrant on the outside and supplies them with water. And that's the SOP for that. And that's area. the SOP for that entire complex, yeah. yeah. That's why it's so important, again, the SIDS. Yeah, huge. The first two companies out of service, so it's not, you, not something you see, a building you go to every day usually. We are there fairly often. One of the important things to realize with that building too is the first floor is not occupied at all. So apartment 1A is on two. 2A is on three, so knowing your buildings, yeah, and that kind of plays into the story, as you know, I'll explain a little later, as to why there were choices in, in, in which portable I took. And that sounds like a minor detail, but that's confusing. 1A on two, yes, I mean, yeah. 2A on yeah. three, like that's something as a chief, I put it out there more than once, yeah, you know, what I mean, just again, farmers in apartment 2A on the third floor. Because right. uh, I've had that a few times, and uh, again, it's like differences in floor in the front and the rear. It's something we know about, but it still makes it challenging, it makes communications challenging. All right, so uh, what was showing on arrival? Was it, was Nothing. It? Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Nothing was shown. But when we got there, 206 was in the building, and he had reported that the hallway was charged, and okay. he was looking for it. On air. Right. Yeah, on air. So you pulled and you heard him on air, okay. Yep, we knew we had some. Also on the way there, I dispatch prompted us. You get yeah, a reporter so people, trapped People occupants? trapped, yep. So. All right, so now you arrive on the fire floor. Yep. Thermal imaging camera, helpful? Yes, very helpful. We entered the hallway. We gave a look both ways. I believe we saw 206's boss down the hallway, and we also saw uh, heat coming from the doorway. That was the fire department, so we knew we were going right. Left, I don't think there was too much... If we went left, there wasn't too far to go anyway out of the beach stairwell. So, I mean, the camera helped, but yeah. yeah. The apartment line was also on the outside of the building. Oh, it's so painted on had the outside a, of the building? Too, we had idea. some indication that from the stairwell, the reported apartment was to the right. Yeah. So we kind of yeah, yeah, we had absolutely. to look that way. And, yeah. Yeah, all these things are important. And then you got your roof firefighter on the floor above directing you in. Yep. Pete Castelli, he... Went up, yeah. You guys got a unit citation at this job also, correct? Right. We did. Yeah. Chris, lieutenant to you, now you're at the fire apartment. You got a line in the process of being stretched, charged? No line with us, no, but okay. I believe they knew we had a job, so they were in the process of stretching. Okay, yeah. so now you are you made your way to the fire apartment door. Obviously, you encouraged high heat, heavy smoke at that point. Yep, high heat, heavy smoke. Walk us through the search. We went in, the door was open, obviously. Myself and Joe, I believe we went right. We found the fire right away. Where was the fire? Right in the living room, as soon as we walked in. Joe stayed with the fire with the can, held it back. I continued a right-hand search, and then uh, continued right and came across a bathroom, and the water was running in the bathtub. So I think they actually tried to put it out, whatever, at, at the initial stages of the fire. And then... After the bathroom, I continued a right-hand search and came across one of the bedrooms where one of the victims was. Okay, and who was the first victim? The elderly, disabled female. And did they, you extricate them through the fire apartment, or did they go through the exterior? No, through the fire apartment. Just had that go. Were you able to do it individually? Did you team up no, with anybody? No, it was tough. No, yeah. uh, she was disabled. She was, had uh, prosthetic legs, so actually um, I was having a difficult time getting her out. And that's when Roger and Brendan Tracy, the OV, came through 
the window off the 35. They helped me and we got them out together. All right, Roger, let's get your perspective. So you were able to get the apparatus close enough, but it turned to a portable ladder operation? Correct. You know, just going with first instincts. I didn't want to waste time because it was borderline as to whether I was going to make it with the aerial or not. There were parked cars there, 206. They had pulled in, they were stretching. The importance of getting that line in place. Uh, you and know, it was there's no argument fire? there. Wasn't it 2G but considered the third floor? Yeah. Correct. There were trees in the way. There were trees in the way, correct. And that was you know, part of the reason as to why I just went with the 35. I kind of hedged my bets mm-hmm. because it was given as, I believe, 206's officer stated it was on the third floor. Now, I took that as either it's the second floor apartment on the third floor or is it the third floor? So taking the 35 would get me to either window. So uh, went to the rear of the rig, grabbed the 35, carried it over. At that time, I met the OV, who was Brendan Tracy. We threw it up. The only window that started to show anything happened to be one of the windows with an air conditioner in it. So pushed the air conditioner unit in, had Brendan go in right away, and then I took the window just to get him into the apartment, you know, as quick as possible. Then I took the window out, entered, and that's where Brendan had met up with Lieutenant Walter with the elderly woman. At that point, yes, we helped him, Brendan and I and and the lieutenant. Uh, We got her out. She was not wearing her prosthetic limb, so it was actually quite awkward trying to grab just one leg and her body would twist, you know, one way or the other. But we were able to get her out down the hallway, passed her off, and and they brought her down to EMS. Joe, what was your perspective at this point? Uh, You stopped to hold back the fire at some point, do what you could with the can. Yeah, initially I was with Lieutenant Walter. We had conducted a right-hand search. The fire was right in front of the door in the living room. So I positioned myself between the distancing rooms in the back and the fire just to keep it back. As I was trying to hold it back, it kept lighting back up as though it wasn't just contents. So I was using a lot of water to try to uh, hold it back while they were conducting searches. All right, so you guys are engaged in getting a disabled female out. You're running out of water, trying to keep the fire at bay. What was your next move? Because you guys got reports of multiple people trapped in this. Right, so we have reports of multiple people trapped. I'm running out of water and I'm thinking they exited the apartment safely. Let me see what I can do to find another victim before I exit the apartment, before we run out of water, trying to keep this fire back. So that's when I conducted a right-handed search. I made my way to a back bedroom, grabbed a, uh, she was a little girl, like seven years old. There was a lot of clutter in the apartment. They termed it heavy clutter. Right. Is that accurate? Yeah, I would say so. There was multiple bags of like clothing, and I think there was even a bicycle or a scooter in the corner. There was just a lot of obstacles through the living room and even into the back bedroom. It makes it hard to identify a, a small child. Right, so that's what kind of happened in my head. I had felt what I thought was a person under a bag, and I really wasn't sure. So I actually pulled her head toward my face piece to just see if what I had was a person. Yeah. And sure enough, it was a, a little girl. So from there, I just proceeded to give the 1045 and exited the apartment with her through the living room, kind of knowing where I'd come from. Yeah. Had to lift her over some of the obstacles. So as soon as I got her to the hallway, laid her down and dragged her back out to the stairwell. All right. And there was a third victim? Yeah, there was a third. So after we had removed the disabled woman, we were in the hallway. We had, you know, as I stated, we handed her off. 
we made our way back into the apartment, there was a report of another child missing. So made my way through the living room to the to the bedroom again. Did another search. Uh, the child ended up being half under the bed, half in, half out. The elderly woman had two prosthetic legs that she, she was not wearing. So I came across the legs first. So you can imagine, you know, you come across a leg and then there's nothing else. And then, you know, the boy was just half under the bed, mixed with clothes, bags. So took him out. He was in respiratory distress. So going down the stairs, I gave him a few few rescue breaths and then uh, an EMS lieutenant met me in the lobby, handed him off and made my way back up again. That's impressive, really, just finding the, those victims in uh, under those conditions, you know. Fireproof buildings, punishing conditions, heavy smoke condition, and heavy clutter on top of that. It's a difficult operation for sure. One thing we talk about heavy clutter and searching, they, any tips to pass along? Because it's so hard to identify victims in this case and small children, half under the bed. Just uh, what about some takeaways? If you think about it, like searching in a heavy cluttered condition, is there anything that stands out from this job and you have in your head? I think once you can identify the fact that you are in heavy clutter, yeah. you know, first and foremost is our safety as well, right? Are we putting ourselves in the position that is, you know, risk versus reward, uh, depending upon how bad the clutter is. Number two, we had reports and 1045s were given already. So when the third one was given, it sounded very credible. Yeah. Take your time, be methodical. You know, one thing I've always said when I do searches, I always close my eyes in the smoke condition. Uh, it takes one sense away and kind of heightens my others. That's the way I've always, always done it. And it's always worked for me. And it just allows me to feel better mm. in terms of what I'm searching. So it's a slow, methodical search. Even though it's a primary, and I know it's a quick, you know, do a quick search, but when you have heavy clutter, you, you, you have to you have to slow down a little bit because clearly, you know, after we had taken out uh, the elderly woman, I mean, the boy was there, and we had no idea. So yeah. uh, that was the same room. It was all in the same room. Yeah, all three. All three. So heavy clutter definitely played a big part in the difficulty in finding these ten forty fives. And that's also, again, maybe, and we have a wide audience too, I like to explain the show for the OV team, why we do it, access the fire area from a different location, the most likely location. Maybe you could just take a minute, Lou, we'll start with you, and then we'll go to Roger just real quick, explain the outside team. Oh, it's huge. We want to access the fire area from a different location, assuming that perhaps they can't get past the fire or something. That's why we always attack it from two angles. Yeah, you know, um, Positioning is something I really believe in, and I think the members in 108 do it really, really well. They do it every single run. They always treat each run like it's a fire, and they are always in position, always giving reports. A lot of the buildings we go to, we go to a lot, but they never deviate. They always are in position, and that's, it's huge. I think, you know, when members are in position, things always go a lot better. That's the foundation, yeah. right? That's it. I mean, you've been a chauffeur for a long time, I'm sure, right? Uh, I think almost 20, 21 years I've yeah. been a chauffeur. Some time. So, yeah, definitely some time. And just to reiterate what the lieutenant said, we kind of practice like we play. If you practice putting the rig in position, if you look at the obstructions or the obstacles that you're constantly going to run into, different areas, you know, we don't have overhead wires, but we have a lot of areas that have trees, various different obstacles. If you constantly practice, and now it's the real deal, 
It just, it's second nature. Yes, you're always thinking about it, but it just is second nature. You just react to what's in front of you. In terms of, you know, the outside team, it's, yeah, it's huge. Getting in position, we have various, various different buildings in our area. I mean, the only thing we don't have are PDs, really. Yeah, but you have wood frames. We have, yeah, frames, tenements, you know, old and new. We have lofts, we have factories, we have taxpayers. Yeah, Williamsburg we, is a diverse. It, it's yeah, very yeah. diverse. I gave my first urgent to back out in a bowstring trust woodworking shop. Yeah. yeah. I was a brand new chief. I was in the 3-5. But yeah, it's huge in terms of getting to where we have to be. And, you know, my biggest concern as an outside team member is always egress for the inside to make sure that they always have an aerial. Or if I can't get an aerial to it, I get a portable. And then I always let them know you have a means of egress. We are the biggest life hazard usually right. in a fire. So we have a big acidic community where every building has steel gates. So you guys must be practiced up on the outside team yep. operating, clearing access, clearing egress if needed. I'm sure you've been trained up, Joe, as since day one. Yeah. Come on straight mm -hmm. to 108. Yeah, I would even go as far as to say like the strength of the inside team is dependent on the outside members, getting those window bars off, getting that egress for us, like Roger said. You know, you don't make that extra push if you can't rely on your outside team. So Absolutely. yeah, you're, you you're know, counting on them. You know, you work with great firefighters. They're going to be where they got to be, and they're going to be where you can expect them to be yeah. every time in this firehouse. Lieutenant, back to you. Let's talk about just uh, coordination with the engine. How the communications go with this job? I talk about with the engine, but also with the outside team and maybe even the roof if you got any guidance. Uh, I'm curious how it all went. Initially, we had reached the hallway. You know, it was banked down. And like we said, on initial arrival, we had no indication of where the apartment was. So Roger and the OV, Brendan Tracy, were asking us, the inside team, where the apartment was. And we tried to help, but eventually, you know, they figured it out. But we were talking, you yeah. know. So I think that was good. Even though, you know, the hallway was lights out, we were still communicating and we yeah. still were aware of the problems that the outside team would face. Did you say that this uh, was a type building that had the apartments labeled on the exterior of the building? Correct. Okay. Yeah, so the apartment letters are labeled. I do remember speaking with Lieutenant Walter and saying, you know, if you could give us a heads up, because we have no indication of anything outside, surprisingly enough. And, you know, as he said, we were communicating back and forth. I was aware of the conditions, what was going on inside. And eventually what happened is the smoke did start to push from around yeah. one of the windows, which gave us the indication of where we were going. Yeah. But yeah, communication is always key. Joe, that worked well for you because you are at some point you're by yourself now. They have inside teams extricating the first victim. Now just, yeah, I think waiting for the engine kind of played a role. You sure. know, Especially uh, when you can't hold the fire back. Communications with them, like we said, 206 did a great job. We were reporting with each other, the uh, yeah. water's running out. Because what you have is your boss and the other member of your team is now pulling someone out. Right. So it's coming on you now to have some communications with the engine officer because you're at the fire. Right. I remember later on at one point, while there was some confusion in finding the apartment, I was banging on the wall with the tool to try to assist the engine yeah. and just sounding Give them a to where the apartment yeah. was. Yeah, That's awesome. It's a heads up move for sure. You guys did a great job. It sounds like a really impressive operation. I'm not surprised all three ended up at Metal Day. Speaking of Metal Day, this is our fourth incarnation of Metal Day edition. And uh, it's obvious that the families, they love it the most. So maybe Lieutenant, we'll start with you. Just give us your, uh, your Metal Day uh, overview. 
Oh, it was great for the family. My mother was ecstatic. My kids, I guess the biggest part, they loved the limo, which, you know, the members of 216 and 108 so generously provided for us. She was taking pictures and selfies in the limo. She had just had a blast. Yeah, and the ceremony unit did a great job, and, you know, we were well taken care of. So hats off to everybody in the firehouse. Roger, how about yourself? Uh, same thing. You know, it's, it's really surreal. It's not the end-all, be-all. I mean, it, it's not why we do it. There are no words other than saying how humbling it is to be honored like this in the fire department. But in terms of excitement, yeah, the family to see, you know, my parents, my in-laws. My son was on leave, and he just happened to be home. So uh, it was nice that he was there, my daughter, my wife. It, it, it's a great experience for the family. Yeah. These guys set it pretty well. It's, yeah. uh, it's incredible. Your family gets to be a part of something you do every day. They get to see it. They get to see how much you appreciate it, too, which is really nice. And um, I think more than anything about Metal Day, it, it's a testament to the firehouse. Like, yeah. we're receiving medals, but it's really the truck, the companies, the firehouse as a whole, the training, the constant dedication. Like, it's learned there, and this is, like, really a testament to the firehouse. Yeah. We're accepting the medals, but it's really... It's an honor to be accepting on behalf of the truck. Yeah, it shines a light on your company. Sure does. We're just trying to maintain the reputation that the previous generations have established. Yeah, yeah one away for sure. And, right? you know, it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Yeah, you it's it's not, off. It, you cannot slack off. It's not easy. And just hanging out with the members of 216, 108, and 3-5, it's a real great day. Yeah, it's really cool. The department certainly does it right. That day especially, you made us all look good. So, you know, I, I'd like to congratulate you. It was impressive. I'm glad you came down here and chatted with us today. I love hearing about this stuff. Thank you again. Thanks for having us, yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Battalion Chief Brian Mulry. For more training and information from our department's subject matter experts, go to FDNYPro.org. FDNY Pro is online at FDNYPro.org. Subscribe today and get inside access to the FDNY. Learn more about our publications, professional conferences, and other tools for first responders. Train with New York's Bravest.